Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This week we're going to be discussing plywood issues, oak issues and what the war in the Ukraine may cause to our industry. So with that in mind, we've got Tom Flanagan from Woodland Floors on this week's show. Tom runs a UK-based manufacturer of engineering solid wood flooring. It's actually only based about eight miles away from our training centre here in Darlington. And we're going to discuss the pros and cons this is going to hit this country and possibly across the whole world. I do hope you enjoy the show this week and do not forget to hit the subscribe button. Right, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing, Tom? I'm very good, thanks. Very good. Good to be here. We always start the podcast uh, with a couple of questions. I think that's the only ones we're going to do predominantly today. But uh, if you could explain for people that don't know who you are, um, who's Tom Flanagan? So I am a director of a company called Woodland Floors uh, Limited, based in the northeast of England. So we manufacture solid and engineered floors here in the UK. It's quite a rarity. And um, yeah, I've been in the flooring industry for pretty much my entire working life, which is the best part of 20 years. And uh, pretty much all of that, in some way, shape or form, Tom has been uh, related to you, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, back in the day when we were young whippersnappers, um, we uh, used to sell it. I used to fit it. So that I think that was the uh, that's the way we used to uh, we used to dance. But uh, it's all, all changed now. Certainly is. And predominantly, who and what are woodland floors normally? Because um, we we just so you can tell people what what you currently produce and what what is leaving your factory on a weekly basis. Yeah, no problem. Um, so. We manufacture predominantly engineered European oak normally when it's available. Um, so there's not many genuine UK manufacturers of engineered products in the UK. I think there's probably only about half a dozen of us. So we're one of those. Um, so we do a mixture of widths, sizes, grades. We also do other species like walnut and ash and uh, larch and things like that. So we tend to be reasonably varied, finished and unfinished. And we've got all the tumblers and things like that to be able to do that kind of thing too. And um, we manufacture our own herringbone um, as well. The bigger, the better, preferably, because um, yeah. it's a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, all that's done here in the northeast of England. So uh, approximately 1,500 square metres a week. Um, yeah, steady away, really. Tend to We tend to sell predominantly through predominantly through retailers and some contractors too. Um, we don't sell to the public. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's worked well for us. The, the key question... I wanted to discuss with you today um, is where your materials sometimes I know you source from all around the world um, and you source all weird and wonderful timbers and things but predominantly where is your raw oak coming from and possibly where is the origin of your plywood so the reason for the for the talk really isn't it the, so up until um recently uh, probably 95% of our European oak came from a small sawmill in the Ukraine, which we uh, are involved with. And uh, all our birch plywood was produced in Russia, um, uh. which has proven to be a bit of a challenge in the last couple of weeks um, due to the political changes over there. So, yeah, we've had to look to try and reinvent the wheel over the last couple of weeks. 
um, trying to secure supplies where possible, find alternative supplies, because there's obviously no material coming out of the Ukraine whatsoever. And, you know, we've been more focused with those guys to try and ensure that the guys that work at that mill are, are safe and well. Um, because the mill is literally just outside of Kiev, is that right? Is that literally yeah, just about, on the about, border? About, about half an hour outside of Kiev, so right in the middle of Ukraine. Um, right. So yeah, so that's uh, that's you know a saddening challenge for everybody, really. But so far, everyone's safe and well, which is good news. Yeah. Um, and then on the plywood side of things, we have plywood sat at the port in Russia, for example, Russian birch plywood. Um, I don't think there's actually a, a, a government-led embargo on Russian products as such yet, just on certain selected ones. But all the shipping companies and the transport companies are currently refusing to um, go into Russian ports and dock at Russian ports and take uh, Russian products out of the country. So for not just for ourselves, but I would suggest the vast, vast majority of producers anywhere in Europe, um, there's a real knock-on effect of this. And I think even for Chinese manufacturers, a lot of their you know, nowadays a lot of their oak comes from the Ukraine. So yeah. they'll be failing the pinch on that side of it. And I, I can vouch for a number of European producers who all use Ukrainian oak um, and or Russian birch plywood. So it's quite a challenge. And so, I mean, it's hit you, you know, straight in the nuts, kind of in the last two weeks, as soon as this is kicked up. But when do you think it's going to hit the the contractors on the ground or the retailers, in your opinion? When do you think the shops might notice something different? It's a good question. I think um, obviously different wholesalers and suppliers have different stock levels and likewise different manufacturers have different stock levels. So I know of one or two mills who only ever keep two or three weeks worth of plywood in front of them as they're rolling through it. And I know of other manufacturers who've got, you know, two or three months. So I would suggest that it all depends on how long the situation stays as it is in the Ukraine, of course, but on the assumption that it stays as it is for a long time, then um I think we'll start to see, well, I know some large wholesalers now are having to quote longer lead times or having to check on availabilities on certain products. Obviously, some of our, some of the UK-based wholesalers are, um, are sourcing their finished product direct from the Ukraine, so obviously they're not able to source that anymore, so they're now having to find alternatives, which will have a knock-on to their availability. So logically, people will start feeling the impact from those guys you know, any minute now, really, depending on right. how much stuff they hold. But then, like say, others who buy their product from, say, Poland or Holland or places like that, I would suggest that, you know, I would think that by the end of March and running into April, we'll start feeling not necessarily different products being there yet, but certainly there'll be longer lead times on birch products and um, certain sizes or grades might be out of stock for longer periods of time, really. Um, And then the other question is when we start to see the inevitable price changes as well, because if there's... You know, if in, by my estimation, if 80, 90 percent of the European uh, flooring manufacturers are using Russian birch ply, then they've all got to try and find either alternatives or more birch from somewhere else. So that's only going to force prices up. Likewise with yeah. the oak. Apart from not not sleeping for the last two weeks, where have you found some materials from? Because I know we, we had a quick chat before the the podcast started, but uh, where where have you gone to to find alternatives, and and what what are you looking to purchase? We've sort of tried to leave no stone unturned, really. So we've looked for alternative supplies of birch, but we've also looked at alternative uh, plywood products to use as a base layer instead and try and find the ones that are best best suited for flooring, really. So on the birch side of things, obviously not all the birch plywood is pr- produced in Russia. There are some mills in Poland, Latvia, um, and Finland and Sweden, such like. Um, but by volume, I don't think the 
anything like the sort of volumes that come from Russia, obviously. So we've been exploring avenues from those. I know a lot of the Latvian guys and stuff are booked up until July onwards and very reticent to take new orders from new customers because of conscious the need to protect the supply chain to their own clients, which is understandable. So we've been looking at that angle for European producers of the birch, and we think we've um, we think we've been successful on that front. Um, so hopefully we can secure long term supply on that. But you know that can't be guaranteed, and like I say, the prices might go crazy. In which case, I think it's only prudent for us to try and find an alternative, which may not be any cheaper now, but may prove to be cheaper in the medium term as birch inevitably rises. So we've been looking at. Um, We've looked at Chinese production, plywoods. We've also looked at uh, Far Eastern, like Malaysian, Indonesian, et cetera. Um, and we've also looked at other products like eucalyptus, poplar, um, maranti, all sorts of different plywoods, really. And then it's just a case of sorting the, the products out that have uh, the tightest production constraints, really, because with flooring, you can't have big fluctuations in moisture content, thickness tolerance, sanding quality, et cetera. You need something consistent. You know, you can't use like a, a low grade plywood because just there's just too many variables and too great a risk of uh, delamination, et cetera, within the ply. So it's been a case of whittling it down to the product that best suits the best suits the uh, specifications needed for flooring, really. So we're currently trialing a couple of Indonesian products, which we think will be a, a really good fit. They won't look like birch, but as long as they perform in a similar manner to birch and they, you know, they uh, have a similar sort of strengths with regards to bowing and cupping and such like, then um, that may well be, we may well find ourselves in a position where we're offering products A on Birch at one price and B on this uh, substrate at a different price, perhaps. We're trying to cover our bases. On the oak front, obviously, I would suggest that at least 50% of flooring producers' uh, oak comes from Ukraine in one guise, be it either as flooring as boards to cut their own lamellas like we do, or yeah. as lamellas that are already produced in the Ukraine. So everyone's obviously looking at elsewhere in Europe, really, which... Um, yeah, which means we're all fighting for the for you know half the availability really. So that's that's another challenge. So we're currently scouring Europe to try and find mills that are similar to what we had in the Ukraine, really, where they're quite small and they're the loyal, and then we can we can give them a hundred percent commitment from us, and then we get the same back, which we prefer rather than just shopping around all the big mills where just a number and it's available if it's available, sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm assuming across the Ukraine um, that mills are just the gates are locked and the timbers sat there ready to be either cut or to be sent out and is that is that the case with the, the partner that you you work with are they just the guys sat at home and protecting themselves and the family um you know what's your yeah. take what's what's actually happened well for the certainly for our mill the guys who well any guys who've got um an army a previous army background who've previously been in the army or similar they are all instantly getting conscripted um, to fight for the Ukrainians anyway, if they're between 18 and 60. Um, so that's one, you know, uh, one thing that those poor guys have got to contend with. And then um, if you don't have army experience, um, then you're not allowed to leave the country, obviously, um, because you may be next to be conscripted. So I'm not entirely sure with regards to other mills what those guys are doing. I, certainly with our guys, uh, yeah, they're literally at home with the family and they're just focused on being able to find food and water and support the family as best they can and try and keep them safe. I know some, um, I know a couple of flooring mills over in Western Ukraine. I know uh, one of those, the guys kept coming to work for certainly the first week or so, but then numbers of guys either stopped coming in for either 
the same reasons that I've been conscripted or they're there to protect the family. So I think while some have been working on, there's only so much product and so much cash flow, to be fair, to be able to keep these guys working before they have to shut the gates. So I'm speculating, but I'd certainly say I would imagine the majority of of closing the gates around now and the rest are just trying to keep themselves busy. If they feel that they're in a safer area, like in Western Ukraine, they might keep chipping away for now, but again, their, their plywood in particular disappear. And unfortunately at the moment, no lorries can really leave the Ukraine. So we can't get the product out of there to support these families if they could work, you know? Nothing can come in, nothing can go out, apart from it's probably supplies on the on the border. Uh, that's what you see on the yeah, news. Humanitarian the stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, food and water maybe a little bit more important than uh, orc coming in and out. But uh... I think in the grand scheme of things, most certainly, isn't it? But yeah, we're, the challenges we've all got to face, I suppose, in some way, shape or form. But it's certainly been uh, an interesting couple of weeks, let's put it that way. You know, um, you've got all the concerns of, you know, emotional concerns of people and, and things like that over in the Ukraine, which is harrowing to see. But then at the same time, you've got to keep the home fires burning and and and, uh, and try and keep earning a living. So then you've got the, the the other sort of more business-based challenges as well. So it's been an interesting couple of weeks, that's for sure. And I'm sure it'll continue for as long as this difficult situation goes on. I definitely don't think it's going to go away. It's, uh, even if it did relax a little bit, it's going to take time to get the mills back up and running and get the trucks coming back to feed feed the whole industry. Um, Agreed. I think I noticed something yesterday. I think uh, FSC uh, announced uh, that there that no products that are coming from Russia can be certified as FSC at the moment due to the challenges that are going on there. So, yeah. you know, even if you're an FSC producer and you're buying Russian birch ply, even if suddenly the situation relaxed and Russian birch ply could come out of Russia, um, for the time being in the current situation, it wouldn't be regarded as FSC either. So that's another challenge. Yeah, so it's kind of watch this space and um, everyone keep the fingers crossed that we just keep keep finding we're not all fighting over the same product and you know we may face another price hike. We may not, but just depends what all the big manufacturers do. Um, or, or don't I think do, so. I, I think so. I think if it, like I say, if it drags on for months, then I think over the coming months we'll see the traditional birch bat product, you know, going up in price quite considerably and, and lack of availability in certain products, et cetera. Um, so then we may then see you know innovation, let's say where like, like what we're trying to do, where we're finding different substrates that you know offer cheaper options, uh, more more sales of three mil and four mil top layers as opposed to six, so that the European oak you do get can go further. If you see what I mean in square meters terms, yeah. Um, and then obviously that doesn't mean that for certain products you could be switching to American white oak, for example. Um, appreciate your colours differently and 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 has slightly different characteristics, but. Um, depending on the colouring you're doing and stuff, then it might prove that uh, some customers switch to American White Oak instead because it's uh, easily to easier to lay your hands on. So with you running around circa 1,500 metres a week, um, what project has stood out in the last couple of years, Tom? Um, there's been a number. Um, obviously, we're all involved in projects of, you know, of both glamorous and not, I suppose, in that respect. I think... One that stands out is we did about 3,000 metres for um, the BBC TV centre. There's different sections there in London that are now no longer part of the BBC. So there's a three-floor three, three floor section there that was made. It's like a high-end business networking centre with yeah. dining facilities and things like that. And um, that was a really interesting one for us because the, the finish was quite quirky. You know, it's part bandsaw and part not, which we're good at because we obviously have bandsaws to cut the lamellas. So... Band sawing yep. is partly our strength because we can tailor that as opposed to uh, some manufacturers who use sort of different implements to, in create, to create a band sawing effect. 
Um, so yeah, that was a, 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 a nice product too. Nice big areas and uh, it was the best way to sort of see the products really sort of fly. And obviously it's in a reasonably high traffic environment and it's performing really well. So we're chuffed with that one. What, what width and thickness was it predominantly? From memory, it was a 220 by 13 uh, character grade. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, the base product itself was reasonably regular. But the uh, yeah, there's a lot of work done to help them facilitate the speed of the install and the uh, with regards to how we how we manufactured it. And yeah, the finish was a nice sort of finish, like I say, with the part bands on here and there. It was also lightly tumbled as well to give them sort of a bit more of a worn effect. So yeah, it was um, quite a nice nice project. And three thousand meters is always a nice juicy runner to get your teeth into as well. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I know you've spent years of R and D of your time um grow, growing the firm and perfecting things but what do you feel apart from time is the biggest investment you've made in woodland floors to to where it is now um apart from time mm, that, I, I, thought, well, I, I thought i'd make it harder for you because everyone says time um I thought, yeah agreed well, agreed what's, what's number two because time will probably be number one but what's number two well, it's two sides. I mean, there's either there's either the financial aspect where you know, as a manufacturer, no machine seems to come cheap. So you know, your your molders are six figures, your end matches are six figures. You know, your lamella cutting machines are uh, six figures. So there's always lots of financial uh, spend, let's say, on that side of it. Yeah. Um, I think, though, to be honest, probably emotional. As 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 funny as it seems. Um, you know, when it's your own company, and you know, we've been through a lot of highs and lows. So we've had a lot of challenges along the way, and you know, manufacturing is not an easy job to do. And um, yeah, so I'd say emotionally, you know, it's which goes alongside the time. It's pulled us through the ringer and back a few times, but the the highs are really rewarding. You know, if we when we win new customers and they think, well, how come we've never dealt with you before? We've, you know, we didn't even know you existed. And that's you know, down to our amazing marketing that uh, I do. Um, the, uh, <laughs> you know, when we find new people, they, you know, they stick with us. Um, they like what we do. And, uh, we're, and, you know, we like the flexibility of that. So I'd say emotionally is probably the biggest investment I've given it over the last however many years. And I think you you did have a challenge that uh, I think you'll have to remind me how, when it was, but you actually, uh, one of the sites, you, you had a fire. Um, how, when was that? How long ago was the, the fire? Yeah, it's that... a while back now. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably about five years ago, I would say. But yeah, that that it wasn't decimating in the sense of it didn't, you know, uh, burn the whole building down or anything, but... It took all the electrics out and what have you, and you can imagine we put a lot of power and stuff. So the having to try and get well, in fact, from memory, the the generator that we managed to lay our hands on to keep be able to keep working um, had just been used in an A and E department the week before. <laughs> um, so so it was a case of getting a big enough generator to create the power, do lots of electricals and stuff, so we could get the machines back up and working. Because at the end of the day, you know, no one can afford to be to be shut. Um, you know, the, the insurance and stuff is fine when it comes through, but it's not there on day one. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting challenge. So it was about five years ago. Yeah. And um, apart from the current challenges with plywood and oak, what do you think is next for woodland floors um, with about products and r&d really you know what 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 what's next on the on the ticky box list question i mean obviously current all, all r&d currently is uh, alternative substrates but we um putting that aside we've worked hard on trying to develop develop different sort of textures and faces so um i want to create a machine so we can do like a rolled 
edge as opposed to a bevel or a square. So we currently do that by hand, which works well, but I think I can streamline that and do a sort of just a, a more machine-based roll bevel. We're developing product where there's like a, a wavy face as such, um, yeah. which, but then the challenge is to ensure that that meets when it's fitted and stuff. So we've been developing that with a with one of our good customers um, to try and do that. And then I'm keen to get going into other species. You know, we've been talking about it a lot and never really getting there, but we're keen to develop maybe a range on on European ash, for example. I think it colours really well. Um, it doesn't look dissimilar when you put certain oils on it to you know, your Douglas firs and your larches of this world and stuff. So it sort of enters the same sort of marketplace. So we're definitely going to put more time and effort into developing a range on that. And then we want to grow the native side of things as well. We do uh, like a pippy English oak in both solid and engineered. And yeah. um, that's a rewarding product to do um, in the sense that, you know, there's really good provenance with it. So you know where exactly where your lugs have come from. And the one sort of main characteristic, I think, that the English oak has over our European counterparts uh, on the main is, is that pippy character. So you can get a really sort of niche, unique floor looking uh, floor there. Um, and yeah, it, then it's uh, it's from England as well, which is a bonus. So I'd like to develop a range of colours and styles on that, I think, to get that going. And this might now uh, push your hand a little bit. They've basically sourcing from the States or, or other countries that there's no conflict of import and export. Well, yeah. that's certainly the case with the English oak, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's uh, obviously not mountains of it available, but then there's there's other species as well there that we could perhaps look into. Maybe it's about time we uh, know we're all waving the British flag, and certainly we are with regards to the fact that we fully manufacture here. Um, so, you know, it be, only be, feels right, really, that we then try and manufacture some products that are uh, where the oak is grown in the UK. And as a percentage, what do you think a landed cost for an engineered uh, English oak would be in comparison to the uh, Ukrainian oak? How, what sort of uplift would it be? And would there be any other pros and cons? Um, I would say the look? The diff- well, yeah, the, the, the main pro is is that look because it is reasonably unique. Don't get me wrong, you do get some pip in, in oak from Europe, but not very often, whereas this is sort of graded for it, so it's very prevalent. So I'd yeah. say the main the main pro is that but like I say you, if, if you like to market your products a bit more there are obviously elements of provenance there about where the logs come from and such like that so it tends to be english oak tends to be less large forests like you get in the in europe and it tends to be more individual small standings in in certain places or part of stately homes and stuff like that so there's generally a better opportunity to try and create a marketing story behind the product there potentially so they're yep. the pros um i would say the con would be the price up there, really. So, I mean, roughly speaking, a character pippy English oak tends to be around about a similar price to a prime grade European or perhaps even 10% more than that. So okay. it certainly carries a price premium yeah. currently, but obviously who knows with regards to European oak prices over the next few months, it might that price premium might not be there anymore. Who knows? But I suppose if, if a retail client was looking for the... Uh, an English oak and you went out to the market to try and find that in an engineered quality manufactured product to need some good luck trying to find that. So it could be even with the price of it being the same as prime. Well, you know, if, uh, I think you could certainly demand that because you know, where I else? Think, yeah, agreed. Well, it has that niche value, doesn't it? The fact that it's English, the fact, you know, the fact that it has those characteristics, it's like you say, it's not the product that's 
commonly supplied or sold from other retailers and stuff. So yeah, I, I, I think there's a genuine opportunity there on the product, not just for us, but for as you pass that through the chain as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, so once your supply um, chains have sort of reconnected, um, what type of clients are you looking to onboard now? Who is your ideal client? I know you, you, you've gone into retailers in a bit, but if you could identify who on the podcast, you know, would you want to give you a call? Um, I don't know. We have we have a variety of customers. Customers, really. Yes, we we are growing our retailer base, um, and uh, yeah, we enjoy that side of it because we've got some products that are a little bit different, and we enjoy the retailer sort of taking that and running with it, which is great. But we do deal with a lot of contractors, like say, because we manufacture here, because we have that flexibility. So, yeah, we have a lot of customers who approach us where they've maybe seen an alternative product specified for their project. But now they can't. They, they either can't get that product in time, or that product is not the size they want. They like that color, but they want that color in a, in a, a wider board or a different grade. And the the UK based wholesaler or whatever only holds certain SKUs of certain products, so they don't offer that flexibility. Or if they do, it's over 16, 18, 20 weeks. Yeah. Whereas um, we feel you know, with our flexibility, with that we can produce you know by and large any size from sort of 80 mil up to 300 mil. Um, you know and lengths up to four and a half meters and stuff so um we've got that flexibility so i don't know if it's a type of customer it's more it's more that you know we do you want to be 20s and such like all day long and we enjoy that work and the more of that the better but yeah, yeah. i think um because we can do any size and stuff it wouldn't surprise me if we would, would secure more work from from contractors yeah. really who have decent sized jobs where they want a, a reasonably niche spec well i think we're good at that and how quick can you turn them around on the basis you've got the stock, the, the plywood and the oak? If someone placed an order with you today and the factory was ticking over as normal, how quick can you get this to site? Um, depends on the product. So we keep certain products uh, in stock now in an unfinished format. So your most common movers, you want eighties, two twenties, etc. Um, so with those sort of products, um, if it's unfinished, you know it could be within a day or two. If it's pre-finished, it'd be within a week. Um, if we're manufacturing the product from scratch, then as a rule, lead time's unfinished and normally between two and three weeks as a rule. And then if it's pre-finished, it's more like three to four. It all depends on the product, really. But, you know, if people, we have customers rings up, say, look, I know you're normally three or four weeks, but I need this in two. Can you do it? And where possible, we'll juggle things around and make things work for people. So we're, it's not like just because it's bespoke produced doesn't mean it has to have a, a you know, a 10 week plus lead time on every occasion that's that's actually quite rare yeah um so i mean for example we're doing a large order of 300 mil uh prime in lengths up to four and a half meters at the moment that order was uh confirmed two weeks ago we're manufacturing it this week and next week um so yeah within what five weeks we've been able to do that with the help of our suppliers on the raw material for that product so you know just because it's niche doesn't necessarily mean it has to take a long time no Great. And where where can the listeners get hold of you uh, directly or your team? Um, yeah, it, me and my team, well, we have a, a small, very basic website. So uh, all our contact details are on there, email addresses, phone numbers, et cetera. So, yeah, if people have got an inquiry, then uh, you'll find uh, Woodland Floors Limited on uh, on the internet and give us, give us a ring and we'll happily talk through what people like. Brilliant. Well, I'll make sure it's on the the show notes as well, um, so That'd people. Great, can, yeah. And if anyone's got any uh, trucks of European oak or plywood that are listening to the show, uh, might be worth dropping you an email because um, yeah, you'll uh, you'll snap the hand off if it's the right quality and and great. 
Yeah, I'm certainly interested to hear from those guys too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks very much, Tom. Appreciate it. Right. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Woodfork podcast. I've been your host, Tom. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerelandco.co.uk. That's cockerelandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerelandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.